I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewes.substack.com. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the one-page article I wrote and published on my blog, Kol Hasridim, on July 13th, 2022, entitled Judaism and the Benefits of EFT, Episodic Future Thinking. And note that this is a sequel to yesterday's introductory article on EFT, so if you haven't read that, then this will be difficult to follow. Soon after I began reading McGonagall's book, I realized that as an Orthodox Jew, I passed by countless opportunities to engage in EFT as part of my day-to-day halachic observance. Every time I daven, I express my yearning for a future in which our nation has returned to Israel, the judges have been restored, our enemies have been destroyed, Jerusalem rebuilt, the Davidic monarchy reestablished, the Shekhinah returned to the Mikdash, and the world filled with peace. Every time I say Musaf, I ask Hashem to bring back our korbanos. So many of the psukim I recite on a regular basis are about the Messianic era, the climax of world history. Shabbos, Pesach, Sukkot, Tishbav, Purim, Hanukkah all have future-looking themes. Judaism certainly focuses on the past, but it is a remarkably future-oriented religion. If you noticed, I said that I pass by countless opportunities to engage in EFT as part of my day-to-day halakhic observance. I haven't truly seized these opportunities by imagining these future scenarios in vivid detail as EFT requires. I haven't taken the time to really apply my full imagination to these phenomena, asking specific questions such as, where exactly am I in this future? Who else is here? What is around me? What is true in this version of reality that isn't true today? What do I really want in this future moment? How will I get it? How do I feel now that I'm here? What would happen if I did these things? Not only would the future become more real to me, but it would trigger a shift in my entire perspective, which would lead to other psychological and intellectual perfections. McGonagall explains, quote, when you take a mental time trip 10 years into the future, your brain starts to think with a different point of view. This isn't a metaphor. It's a literal fact. Scientists describe this as switching your imagination from first-person to third-person perspective. When you're thinking in first-person, you're totally immersed in your own thoughts and feelings. When you're thinking in third-person, you can escape you escape your own ego and get a more objective and expansive experience. End quote. Now, she goes on to support this assertion from the scientific literature, which I can't summarize in a one-page article. Let me know if you'd like the citations. Afterwards, she enumerates some of the benefits of this shift in perspective. Quote, A major benefit of switching from first person to third person is that it's a huge empathy booster. In scientific language, we reduce our egocentric biases and become less ego-identified, which means we get out of our own heads and can start to see things the way someone else might. We're better able to consider that others might have different wants, needs, values, or ideas than we do. We also become more open-minded. And this is particularly important when it comes to thinking about how the future might be different or how we ourselves might change. Studies show that when we zoom out in time and perspective, we become much more likely to take in new information that runs counter to our existing beliefs. This is a kind of mental superpower, end quote. I can't help but wonder whether Jews tap into these benefits on a minimal level simply by thinking about the future so often, even if we don't practice EFT. Thinking about the ingathering of exiles three times a day must, on some level, chip away at the feeling of permanence we have about our current home. Yearning for the judges to, quote, remove sorrow and sighing, end quote, must, on some level, give us hope that our, immer- that our emotional turmoil is not everlasting and that there is hope for a cure. Verbalizing our conviction in a future of peace with our neighbors must, on some level, rewire our minds and emotions to believe in peace as a real possibility. This, in turn, will make us more likely to do something about peace in our lifetimes. 
It seems to me that it would be a worthwhile investment of time and energy to practice EFT on the future scenarios we talk about in davening, whether through journaling, simulations like this cool video of a modernized chamber of hewn stone in the third mikdash, I'll link it in the comments below, reading fiction, writing fiction, fleshing out these scenarios when we encounter them in our learning and teaching, or even by taking a few moments just to visualize what we're saying when we daven. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.